Welcome back to Mystery Kink. My name is Lenny. My name is Chris. Hey, man, dude. What's up, man? How's today? It's today. Uh, I just woke up. I'm feeding a baby currently, so it'll hey, be a man. fun, interesting podcast. Whoa, it's going to be an interesting podcast because it is Lenny's Grab Sack episode. So this is an episode where I tell you about a story and you don't tell me about the story. Heck yeah, I love these episodes. Even though we've only done one, I like these episodes. Uh, you know, I'm thinking I'm starting to like it too, but I want to call it a Grabs Lenny Sack episode. What do you think? It doesn't flow. <laughs> Grabs Lenny Sack? Like, say say it louder two more times, like right now. Grabs Lenny Sack. Grabs Lenny Sack. I now say Lenny's Grab Sack episode. Lenny Grab Sack episode. Grabs Lenny Sack episode. See the flow? It flows a little better with Lenny's Grab Sack episode because when you do Grab Lenny Sack, the grab is it emphasize like a like a hoo noise, and then Lenny's kind of like a a nice end word, and then sack is another like ooh noise. You know, like when you start with Lenny's grab sack episode, it's like it flows. Uh, I feel it. I feel it. All right. All right. Well, and that was also your I, name in high school was grab sack. So no, it wasn't. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you're actually feeding the baby, I'm going to be telling a story. Be a perfect time. So we're going to be going back all the way up to 1897 here, and we're going to be talking about the Green Briar Ghost. Have you heard of it? Uh, I've heard about it in, like, histories and mysteries, but I know, like, the bared bone details. I think you're going to explain everything to me right now. Yeah, man, so let's get on into it. On January 23rd, 1897, Elba Zona Heaster Shoe of Lewisburg, West Virginia, a newly bride of three months, was found dead by an 11-year-old boy named Annie Jones, whom was her neighbor and also worked as a blacksmith. That's pretty wild. So 11-year-old blacksmith, that's... That's more badass than any 11-year-old live. Like, 11-year-olds right now are play- getting mad because Fortnite has a no-build mode. <laughs> and back then, 11-year-olds were, like, shooting deers and field-dressing them and working on the blacksmith table or the animal. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty wild. And Annie Jones, uh, the 11-year-old boy, also worked with Elvazona Heaser Shoe's husband, uh, Mr. Shoe. So he worked with Mr. Shoe? What a terrible last name. Shoe is a kind of weird name because we think in probably S-H-O-E, but no, it's S-H-U-E. Okay. So Even still, though, think of all like the puns and jokes like, well, if the shoe fits, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you think you'd be saying that back in 1897? Maybe, but take a mile in my shoes and we'll talk. <laughs> if they were swingers, that'd be some weird pickup lines like, hey, you want to see if the shoe fits? Like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Jones found her lying on the floor in their house, face down at the foot of the stairs, stretched from one arm tucked underneath her chest and the other extended, and her head was caught to one side. Kind of a crazy sight to see as an 11-year-old kid. Oh, yeah. And it, it looks like she fell down the stairs. I mean, why would your arm be under you? But also, like, falling down the stairs is pretty traumatic. But, yeah, 11-year-old boy coming home, he's like, oh, snap. Well... Another day in the 1800s, just another dead body. Could you imagine Boom. finding a dead body when you were 11? Uh, no, I probably wouldn't even know if it was a dead body, to be honest. But I mean, if I see something like that, I'd probably just probably like scream or something. Start crying. 
I'm with you. I'm not yeah. making fun of you. I'm like, I'm same shit for me. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be like, oh, just another day, just another dead body. <laughs> for real, right? Upon finding the dead woman, Andy Jones, a neighbor boy, ran back to his home where he informed his mother and then he continued on with the blacksmith shop where Edward S. Shoe was working. Honestly, this kid literally just saw a dead body and just went back to work. He's like, I think oh, this kid was brought up a different way. Well, I mean, it was the 1800s. Like, either you, you know, you worked or you starved. So, I mean, yeah, and also, uh, like, people back then, it's a different kind of kind of beast. When told the situation, Mr. Shu appeared in great anguish, ran to his home, gathered his dead wife in his arms, and moved his wife's body to their bed, where he dressed her in a high-neck gown. Dr. George Knapp attended the scene. He was a doctor and a coroner. As Dr. Knapp began examining Zona, Mr. Shu exhibited overpowering emotions and cratered Zona's head and her shoulders, sobbing and weeping. Mr. Knapp stopped his exam out of respect for the grieving spouse and signed off the deaths as everlasting faint. A traditional wake was held before Zona's next day burial, and attendants noticed particular behavior from Mr. Shu. When the casket was open for viewing, he immediately placed a scarf over Zona's neck, as well as propping propping her head with a pillow and blanket. Mr. Shu then put on another spectacular show of grief and made it impossible for mourners to get close look at her face. Mr. Shu was buried in the Soul Chapel Methodist Cemetery in Greenbriars County. Initially, everyone who knew Mr. Shu accepted Zana's death as a non-suspicious except for one person, her mother Mary. You know, let's just say this, mother always knows, right? What's weird is um a couple of weird things like the fact that the coroner was like, oh, he's crying really hard and we're men in the 1800s. So I'm not going to I'm just going to let him have it. He can he can cry. Yeah, we're going to act like yeah. everlasting fainting, which is another one. Like what a dumb I mean, medicine's gotten better ish. Obviously, dumb prognosis. Uh, She just fainted herself into the next life. Yeah. So was she fainted like above the stairs, fainted above the stairs and ate shit all the way down the stairs? Yeah. He should honestly examine the body. I mean, I understand if you wanted to let the the husband grief, like go ahead. But like afterwards, just be like, well, I got I got I to gotta see that body. You know what I mean? You know, work is work. Oh yeah, I mean the eleven year old boy can go back to work after finding a dead body, but this wuss of a doctor couldn't go back to work. He had to let his <laughs> grieving friend grieve. Like, shut up. But you know what? M uh, Mother Mary Jane here didn't think it was an everlasting thing. Mary disliked Mister Shu from the moment they met and suspected foul play at hand. The work of the devil, Mary exclaimed. She prayed every night for four weeks and end that the Lord would reveal the truth. And then in the darkness of the night, when Mary Jean Heaster was wide awake, Mrs. Shue's spirit allegedly appeared. It was not a dream, Mary reported. It was a person. First, the apparition manifests as light, the transform into a human figure, which brought a chill upon the room. For four consecutive nights, Mary claimed her daughter's ghost came to her foot of her bed and reported facts of the crime that took her life. Mrs. Shue's ghost was said to reveal a history of physical abuse from her husband. Her death resulted in a violent fight over a meal that night before she was found. Mrs. Shue was said to have strangled Mrs. Shue, crushing her windpipe and snapping her neck at the first joint. They put that in quotations. So apparently when... Uh, what I'm assuming is when Mrs. Shu was telling this to her mother, she was actually really saying like, hey, like when he snapped my neck, it was at this specific point or the specific joint. So I think that's actually pretty crazy if you want to believe this story. 
Yeah, it'd be pretty hard to, I mean, that means she was lifted when she was being choked out because it's pretty hard to snap the first joint. Well, it's not pretty hard to snap the first joint because honestly, your neck is weak as hell. Like, it's crazy that like the most important part of your body, your neck, which holds your head up, connects your spinal column, very weak portion of your body. I mean, well, think about it. You just, you just had a, you know, a third kid and then when, uh, when you have a baby, you actually have to keep its actually neck up to build its strength first. So like even, even as a child, like straight out the room, like our necks not really given good support to begin with if you really think about it oh yeah and then to have as a grown person have your neck snapped at the first joint that means that she was lifted up when she was choked so this guy literally lift her up and then like probably choked her to death and then pushed her probably down the stairs no, i don't think he pushed her down the stairs i think he just laid the butt because he wasn't he wasn't smart enough to make it or maybe he was smart enough for 1800s time and we don't have forensic files like we did back then like we do now True. Yeah, true, true. But um, yeah, it's just weird that like he could have just laid her in bed. And be like I don't know, I I woke up and she was like that. You know what I mean? But I think he did a really good job with putting on a show because you know in like eighteen hundred it was weird to be emotional at all. True, especially as a man. You know, yeah. a man can't be weak and whatnot. All I mean, all that BS. He got away with that with that murder because of it. So I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it's interesting. Keep going. Keep going. To prove dislocation, Mrs. Shu figured turn its head 100 degrees, excuse me, 180 degrees to the rear. Mary steadfastly maintained her daughter's ghost was real, and Mrs. Shu's reports of her, of the cause of her death were accurate. Easter was so compelling in her paranormal description that she convinced a local prosecutor, John Priston, to reopen the case. Priston's investigation found Mr. Shu had a history of violence. In another state, he served prison time for assaults and theft. He was married twice before one, another wife dying under mysterious circumstances. Oh, go figure. It's weird how, I mean, back in the 1800s, there's no way to tell. Because, like, even up until the 70s and 80s, you were able to just, like, make a new life in a new place. Yeah, didn't we say that about one person that we talked about? And one, yeah, what's Tim Buddy? Damn. Tim Bundy, yeah. He moved I wasn't there too long ago. Multiple names, and, yeah. I think we sworn... We did that for another one, too. Hmm. We might have. There might have been another one. Good old Ted Bundy, man. Yep. So Shout out to that episode. It's wild that in another county over, he was just, like, beating the shit out of people there. Yeah. And then changing his name, and nobody knows. And that was actually in, like, earlier in the 1960s, like, you know, later on. So when we're talking about the 1897, it must be, like, probably even easier, to be honest. Yeah. Your your last name, Divine, might not even be your family's real last name. You guys, someone down the line might have been like, well, Dunn did a bunch of bad stuff here. Let me move on down here and restart is Leonard Divine the first in 1800s. Dude, you never know. You never know, honestly. By now, the Greenbrier community was reporting more particular behavior from Mr. Shu. He was making comments to the effect that no one would ever prove I killed Zana, combined with the, the coroner Knapp's admission that he failed to conduct a thorough exam. Preston established sufficient grounds to exhume Zana's body and conduct a proper postmortem examination. Well, then, boom, there you go. And you know what? Not gonna lie. Why is the husband even making comments to begin with? Like, did anybody even come up to him and be like, oh, hey did you do this you did that did you do this it seems like nobody even bothered the kid well, besides the mother itself well i mean if he's making comments like he did it he's kind of doing the oj simpson thing where he's like writes the book if i did it so people are probably buying this full of beer at the bar and he's just like yeah i did it let me get another beer well, no, he says he did. He said no one would ever prove I killed Zana. That's just, it's the same as O.J. Simpson 
saying uh, if I did a book, oh, book right, I yeah. murdered his wife Nicole and the Jewish kid. Yeah, yeah. He wrote a book saying if I did it, like, <laughs> like you did it. Zona was optized by three medical doctors on February 20, 22nd, 1897, with the official cause of death being exonia of manual strangulation combined from a broken neck. So obviously, like how you basically was saying, Chris, he was basically strangling her and basically broke her neck as strangling her. Yeah. So he basically literally how what the ghost was actually even saying, it literally broke the, the windpipe or like that pipe you're talking about earlier, like the, that joint. The first joint, yeah, the windpipe. Yeah, the first joint. Bruising consistently with finger marks was noted on Zana's neck. Mm -hmm. Her esophagus was contused, and her first and second cervical vertebrae were fractured. They are known as the C1 atlas and the C2 atlas, which combines to make the first joint at the base of the skull. An inquest was held, and Mr. Shu was summoned to testify. Although he denied being present at the time of Zana's death, bearing compatibility, which is basically responsibility, he was unable to establish an alibi, and considered an unreliable self-serving witness. It was ruled a homicide and Mr. Shu was charged with her murder. Trout Shu's first-degree murder trial began in Greenbrier Circuit Court on June 22, 1897. A panel of 12 jurors was convened who heard evidence and the number of witnesses, including Shu himself. John Preston was reluctant to marry Jane Heaster as a witness, fearing her ghost story would damage credibility. However, Shu's defense lawyers opened that the can of worms and called Zona's mother to the stand, and eventually it backfired for them i'm gonna be reading uh some of the ex basically the conversations of what that was a uh, asked to the mother and her actually coming up and saying like you know this is what happened right all right now mrs heaster this sad affair was particularly impressed upon your mind and there was not a moment during your waking hours that you did not dwell upon it no sir and there is not yet either and was this not a dream founded upon your distressed condition of mind no sir it was no dream for i was wide awake as I ever was. Then if not a dream or dreams, what do you call it? I prayed to the Lord that she might come back and tell me what happened. And I prayed that she might come herself and tell on him. Do you think you actually saw her in flesh and blood? Yes, sir, I do. I told them the very dress that she was killed in. And when she went to leave me, she turned her head completely around and looked at me like she wanted me to know all about it. That would freak me out if I actually heard that. That's the exorcist stuff right there. If you heard it or if you saw it. If well, I if I it, saw it. I'd probably be well, like, eh, you know, like, that's interesting. Or give them the time of day to talk about it. Like what this podcast is supposed to do. But if yeah, I saw true. it, that would be a different ass. That would be a whole different <laughs> scenario. <laughs> and the very next time she came back to me, she told me about it. The first time she came, she seemed that she did not want to tell me as much about what happened. But afterwards, she kept on doing it every time she could. And I am satisfied that she did that. Now, Methister, don't you know that these visions, as you turned them or described them, were nothing more or less than four dreams founded upon your distress? No, I don't know it. But uh, the Lord sent me her to tell it. I was the only friend that she knew she could tell and put any confidence in. I was the nearest one to her. He gave me the ring that he pretended she wanted me to have, but I don't know what a dead woman he might have taken it off of. I wanted her own ring, and he would not let me have it. Mitsisir, are you positively sure that these are not four dreams? Yes, sir. It was not a dream. I don't dream when I am wide awake. To be sure, I know I saw her there right with me. Are you not considerably superstitious? No, sir, I'm not. I was never that way before, and I'm not now. Do you believe in the scriptures? 
Yes, sir. I have no reason not to believe it. And do you believe the scriptures contain words of the God and his son? Yes, sir, I do. Do you not believe it? Now, I would like, if I could, to get you to say that, that these were four dreams and not four visions or appearance of your daughter in flesh and blood. I am not going to say that, for I am not going to lie. Then you insist that she actually appeared in flesh and blood to you upon four different occasions. Yes, sir. Did she not have any other conversations with you upon the matter of her death? Yes, sir. Some other things. Some things I have forgotten. Just a few words. I just wanted the particulars about her death, and I got them. When she came, did you touch her? Yes, sir. I got up to my elbows and reached out a little further, as I wanted to see if people came in their coffins and i sat up and leaned in my elbow and there was a light in a house it was not a lamp light i wanted to see if it was her coffin but there was not she was just like she was when she left this world it was just after i went to bed and i wanted her to come and talk to me and she did this was before the inquest i before i told my neighbors they said she was exactly as i told them she was all right so even though it's some of this stuff does sound kind of confusing, you could actually read this record in the West Virginia State Archives. Because, you know, it's, we're talking about the 1800s, so, you know, the language is kind of a little bit different. It's obviously English, but they say things a little bit weird. But, time we speak. yeah. And, but think about it this way. Like, obviously, the, the, he basically said the same questions a few times. I guess he really wanted to make sure, like, hey, like, do you understand what you're saying to everybody? That this... Yeah, like you're, you're, yeah, yeah, like your your daughter came to you, even though we know that she's dead, but she told you how she died, and this is what you're telling us, like this entire story, and she's like, yeah. Now, as a parent, would you do that? Would I tell them what I if I mean, yeah, I'd tell them what I saw. I mean, it doesn't mean it's going to change anything, but I would tell them what I saw. Yeah, like you don't even, you want to think you'd be like sounding crazy or anything, brother? I don't give a fuck about that. <laughs> See, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I think as a you know, as a parent, you wouldn't even give a shit. If I had you know a strong what I mean? inkling that my daughter was murdered by her husband, I'd probably take the law in my own hands. Not not trying to be like a badass or like, oh, I'm gonna gonna yeah. Handle, but the law sucks. You know what I mean? No, it, it, Pet, does, it does. get ten to fifteen years max, like at best. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of lot of people who go to jail and don't for serve out their sentence for good. Be I mean, look at Ted Bundy. He got that rape and assault charge in the 1970s and and 80s and got out was in five years yeah i'm not i'm not like saying i'm not advertising become the batman and go out <laughs> and murder people or beat up people who are doing bad things but i'm saying like in a situation like this you got to pull out all the stops to make sure justice is served and if i have to sit on the you know on the uh whatever it's called the process the witness stand is what it's called i believe yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell the story i'll tell the truth you know i'll tell the truth of what i believe happened or what i saw happened or if my daughter's ghost came to me and was like hey uh homeboy turned my head around and he she turns her head around and shows me like yeah damn well believe i'm telling someone yeah for real especially if, like if that actually would happen yeah dude for real though <laughs> like we even just talked about that like hey if you would have saw that like It'd be a whole different story. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. All right. Well, let's see if the jury uh, believes the story or not. Now, whether the jury members accepted Mary Jane Heaster's ghost story as to be credible or if it made any difference to their interpretation of the facts will never be known. And it's on record that the trial judge cautioned jurors about the reliability and the circumstantial evidence. There was no living witness to the crime charged against the defendant's shoe 
and the state rests its case for conviction wholly upon circumstances connecting the accused with the murder charged. So the connection of the accused with the crime depends entirely upon the strength of the cir circumstantial evidence introduced by the state. There is no middle ground for you, the jury, to take. The verdict, consequently and logically, must be for the murder in the first degree or for an acquittal. The jury was out for an hour and 10 minutes before returning to Trout Shoe, guilty of murdering his wife Zana in the first degree. He was sentenced to life imprisonment and died from a disease three years later. So that's the story of the Green Briar Ghost. And I love the hell out of this story. This solved a case. Like we were doing paranormal, no, we were doing true crime and we we're switching back to paranormal. And so I was just like, since it's my episode, I'm going to try to get something in between. And I just happened to find one. Oh yeah, no, this is a good episode. You did really well on this episode. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if the ghost testimony ultimately swayed the jury because it sounds like they're like looking at this with logical sense, where she doesn't have any contusions or any kind of like craziness aside from the broken neck. It's yeah, not like a full ass broken neck. It's just the joint, the first joint is dislocated. Falling down the stairs, there'd be a bunch of bruises and cuts and hurts on the body, right? Yeah, something. And uh, the even the um, crappy first doctor was like, everlasting fain. It sounds like <laughs> a candy or something. Yeah. Like, uh, water, like everlasting fainer. It's uh, the, the, the words and the terms they use. Uh, for this, it's just it's great. It's everlasting faint, man. Well, it's 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 a it's a good. I wouldn't be surprised to find out if, like the doctor was just like a crackpot doctor, like <laughs> like he was a bad doctor. Like he like they moved away from using leeches, but he's still using leeches and shit. Ah, uh, well, he's, well, he is a doctor and a coroner, so I mean, yeah, that is kind of weird. Well, I mean, doctor. I mean, most multiple professions back then were like your doctor, your coroner, and your barber could all be the same person. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's it's scary to think that. Like your doctor, your barber, your dentist. I mean, it's cool. It's easy. It's one-stop shop for all your health needs. But geez, Louise. Um, yeah, I for think real. The mom. I think the mom knew about the abuse. You mm. know, because like moms and daughters talk. Like, oh, I'm pretty damn sure. Oh, I mean, not pretty sure. Obviously, it's like a guaranteed. You know what I mean? Yeah, and moms, like you said, also know. They got like that sixth sense of like knowing, like when something's wrong. Uh, yeah. Do not know how mothers do that, but it's just it's a thing, and it's reality. Like you know, it's not like BS. No, it's not BS or anything. It's it's like true. Mothers somehow do have like that sixth sense. So I would say, um, I would say the mom probably knew about the abuse, but because. It's the 1890s, like, it's real easy to get looked over because you are a woman. Yeah. Uh, I think she knew about the abuse. I think she knew about everything going on. I think she made up the story to uh, tell the ma, to get the jury to look at the body. Because getting a body exhumed after burial, like they did in the story, is, I mean, back then would have been sacrilegious. You know what I mean? It would have been, like, the worst thing you could have mm. done. Uh, so it, well, it's really interesting that the mom was able to get all this done. So I, I hope it was real. I hope the daughter got to get her revenge on the shit husband. But as I said in the anniversary episode, I'm starting to become a little less believable. No, I know. I understand. But you want to know how I feel about this episode? Lay it on me, brother. I believe all of it. So when I was like looking at this stuff, it is a wild story. We're in the 1800s and she's saying this in court. I mean, it's going to be the early 19s, but you know, like eight, uh, late 18s, early 19s. And so we know back in the day, you know, women can't really do anything. You know, they just have to do whatever the man says. Yeah, yeah. And they're the homestead people. This, uh, the mother even be able to even say like, hey, like even given the chance to even tell her story is like, you know, pretty good. 
And I think it actually did sway a little bit of it. Because, like, I'm pretty sure being able to dig up that body, re-dig it up, you know, as the story was saying, it is, like, kind of weird that that would happen. But her mother's story was so compelling to the doctor, at least. Or, uh, or no, not a doctor. Yeah, different doctor. Yeah, the, the Johnson guy. Um, It just made him say, like, yeah, let's open up. Let's do, let's do this. And boom, it worked. So I to me, if, if she told the doctor, like, hey, like, hey, Doc Johnson, check this out. The original prognosis was everlasting fate. And he's like, what in the hell did that person say? <laughs> hey, he seemed he thought it was fishy himself at first, too, too. So it's just, you know, so it's kind of good. And with everything in the story, I just want it 100 percent to be true. Every bit. And I guess you could actually even go uh, to a certain area in Greenbriars County and even actually see like the, the stone and everything for the case. Like it's actually you know a legit case like it's in the archives and everything so if you want to actually look about it more uh, you could look it up at the west virginia archives which i think is pretty cool that is really cool that's a good story like you have a potential ghost solving their own murder it's a really interesting story you did really good on this one thanks <laughs> right well that was the Greenbrier ghost that was lenny's grab sack episode he did really really freaking well like I'm- uh well i ho- hopefully i did like we're like we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see you know i have to edit it first so we'll, we'll see i'm pretty sure i'll find some mistakes no nah, you did good i mean that's what editing's for you know they won't know that we found mistakes you will <laughs> <laughs> True, true. Well, you know what? So, at the end of the day, I think it was actually a pretty good story. So, that was a good story. Let's get to where we can find us. You can find Lenny and I on Facebook at facebook.com slash mysterykink. On the Instagram at instagram.com slash mysterykink. You can find us on Twitter at kinkmystery. You can find you can email us if you have any suggestions, corrections, complaints, or you just want to tell us we suck at mysterykink2021 <laughs> at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on telegram at mystery kink on the telegram fan page the 25 fans that we have we appreciate you <laughs> uh, shout out shout out all right if you want to find uh, more of leonard we're going to be working on some side projects here me and oh, what are we doing again allegedly allegedly those one bit one piece podcasts maybe be 10 to 20 minutes long about a cryptid or crypt a creature that we did not do on this pod because we can't stretch out, you know, it's yeah. like a teacher assignment. We can't really yeah. write a thousand word essay with just one small creature. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember find, that. Hell yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. You can find um more cool stuff on our Facebook and stuff like that. If you want to hear more of me, which I don't think you do, you can find <laughs> me at me and a, a good friend of ours, Adam Black's project, Nerds with Asthma, the NWA podcast, where we talk hey. nerdiness. Shout out. Hey, you know you know what? You didn't mention Batman. I was going to mention your guys' podcast right then and there, right when you mentioned the Batman, but I didn't. Because you guys did a first episode about Batman. We did, we actually have two episodes out. We have our yeah. intro episode, which we just kind of talk about our background. And one of our friends commented on this, told us they didn't expect to learn, a, or they didn't expect a nerd podcast to be all about <laughs> child poverty. <laughs> <laughs> but you know we were just talking about where we came from and then our uh very first episode is the batman review some nerd news a nerd topic and it's a fun good sounding episode yeah it actually was, it was pretty good i listened to it by the way all part of that space 10 network s10n hey man space 10 network we're getting it started boys we're getting it started big stuff coming all right lenny what you got to say oh man oh well i would like to mention you know before we say our little outro here 
is that I am finally unbanned off Facebook. I can now post on it. So I will be taken back over Facebook. You got to stop posting nudes. Your mystery is our kink. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye.